Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What is up, Steel Horde? Jake, Steven, and Ryan here with our full spoiler review of The Wolf's Call by Anthony Ryan. So we just wrapped up our non-spoiler review in which we gave the book a 7.5 out of 10. And now we're going to be talking full spoilers, including spoilers for the first Raven's Shadow trilogy, which obviously you should have read if you are reading this book. So we're just going to run right into spoilers for the book. And what I like to do, what we like to do at Phantology is kind of talk through the eyes of different characters and we will talk through the plot focused on, uh, you know, see what the characters are up to. And at the end, we will kind of talk about who our favorite characters were. And I'm being told from Jake and Ryan that I may get roasted here um, as they are going to bring up some points from my Goodreads review of the book, which apparently I wrote a long review for. <laughs> I, I, we, we went over this, but you can never really trust Goodreads reviews, right? But they're always fun to yeah. kind of throw back in the reviewer's face, so. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. So let's talk with our favorite character. Probably, I don't know, my favorite character, Valen Alsorna. So one of the things in my Goodreads review that I talked about was Valen Alsorna is rejuvenated and he's much cooler and he's back to being awesome like he was in Bloodsong before he got nerfed at the end of Tower Lord. And I think this on its own, just the fact that Valen is cool again, like this makes the book worth reading because... I'm someone who just kind of likes these. I mean, even if they're overpowered, I, I like these BA type characters. You can just do it all. See, I would disagree with that. I mean, I think that he he's good, but he's not back to himself in Bloodsong because he lost his Bloodsong. And that's yeah. a little bit uh, frustrating because he can't just read situations so well. He can't like command his soldiers in a battlefield as well as he could because he had that magical instinct that was almost like a premonition. In, That's true. In battle. And so he's not quite back to the Valen Alsorna that we know and love, but he is, he is still, I think a very competent swordsman. And um, so he's fun to read in that sense. But at least he's doing stuff. He's not just tramping through the northern reaches for pages and pages. Uh, he's <laughs> just tramping through the merchant kingdoms for pages and pages. Uh, is my take. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got, yeah, that's fair. I think the urgency <laughs> of him tramping through the northern reaches was knowing there's going to be this big battle he has to be there for. And the urgency here is, you just want him to see Sharon again. Just not as big as stakes. Didn't feel I like. don't know. Sharon uh, is bigger yeah. stakes to me than, than some I mean, big battle. More, I was more interested in like seeing their reaction, but I can deal with tramping because I know there's going to be an epic climax at the end. But tramping to meet up with a character again, there wasn't really any big moment. Of, like There's also the stakes of you know that he's got to confront Kelbrand 
and the steel horde is bad yeah. and you get that from the Laurelin interludes and and so i i think there's that at least like you know there's something larger going on too yeah i don't i guess like the pacing of it felt weird i couldn't tell like they focus so much on exploring this jade kingdom or merchant kingdom i can't remember like if it is the jade kingdom there jade empire right jade empire hopefully um and then like they talk a lot about the jade uh princess and like all this stuff and it's like I just remember feeling like I don't really care about this part here because I know this is just transitory, at least for this like yeah. part of the plot. So like, let's get to Sharon, let's get to the Jade Princess and let's get to the Steel Horde. That's how I felt for most of the book. Okay, before we go too far ahead, we will talk about these things, but let's just start with the beginning. So yep. the beginning, the hook was, you know, Sharon has been taken and the Steel Horde is a problem. And so and the, we've got to one- go... And there's like that, the evil dark yeah. creature thing is back. It, I mean, it's different, but that same. The, the witch's bastard. Yeah, yeah the, the, the messenger, bastard. witch's bastard guy turns up. He's an assassin uh, as he's trying to take out some of these uh, merchant kingdom guys. And so, you know, there's something bigger going on, uh, but we don't know what it is yet. So I think, Jake, you said in the non-spoiler review, this hook was pretty good for you. Yeah, it was. I really liked the the idea of that kind of creepy dark you don't know like what the antagonist is for most of blood song mm. like what even the the abilities are and uh-huh. and so i like that they brought that back because i felt like at the end of queen of fire it was wrapped up too quickly i understand kind of what they did but it didn't i felt like they the big bad seemed so bad and then once you kind of like saw him and he was handled it was like oh it was just yeah like it wasn't as i was expecting like a dark one a la like wheel of time or like sauron type entity uh-huh. and it turned out to be more of a you know something like that defeated you... fairly easily and yeah the yeah and so that was that was a disappointment with uh how queen of fire ended the raven shadow trilogy so i was excited for them to bring back this element that i thought was so cool and maybe expand upon it so for me that's a, it was a big hook to get the book started the witch's bastard kind of sets it up he says, oh, yeah, you defeated the ally, but now you've woken up something so much worse. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that, that sets it up. Although looking at the structure of the, fir- the first trilogy, well, the first trilogy is a trilogy, meaning it has three books. And now you're facing a much worse, bigger enemy, but it's only a duology yeah. in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if he's really that bad, why? How can it be wrapped up in two books? Not and that that... the first book doesn't even really bring him up very which much. Is, I mean, yeah. to jump to the end, but yeah, yeah. Which is why I felt like a lot of the book was just like, come on, let's get to the action, like get mm-hmm. to the important parts. But yeah, and and the Sharon part, really good hook. It did kind of give me whiplash from beginning of Blood Song. We kind of mentioned this in the non-spoiler review. I'm expecting, oh, we're gonna see Sharon again, but then Queen of Fire. I'm like, okay, I guess we're, we're not going to see Sharon again. Like I can kind of accept that. Like, I respect that decision, but now it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, we are getting Sharon again. <laughs> so excited, but also frustrated, not knowing what to expect there. To quote Michael Scott, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Snip, snap. <laughs> yes. Okay. So then we're off. We're off into, under the far east, right? Do they, do they call it the far east? It, it's, it's essentially it's the like- far west. It's okay, the far yeah. west, but it is the far east. It is, right? It's a little bit yeah. of speculative fiction where like 
it's not too hard to see that these guys are basically China and the Steel Horde is basically like the Mongols and Genghis Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a fun way to do it. I, I like that. And, and it kind of ties in a little bit to like RF Kuang's poppy world. That, that's a stronger connection. I couldn't decide if it was something I really liked or was kind of bugged by it just because it was, it seemed too copy pasted. Whereas I feel like the um, Dothraki in um, uh, Game of Thrones were a little more their own. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, one uh, one trope that I don't always love is is essentially like the Dothraki type trope, the the horse people, the uncivilized guys who then you meet them and you're like, oh, these guys like actually know something really important or they have something that you know you wouldn't expect that the the civilized people need from them. Uh, like kind of these mysterious uh, uncivil. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a trope that I always love. And so I'm okay with it here. Yeah. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Yeah. Okay. So then we go into the middle part of the story, which it sounds like Jake, you you said was just kind of transitory for you. They get embroiled in these local politics right away. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Pirates of the Caribbean third one when they're in Singapore and they're, yeah. they're meeting kind of these pirate lords and they're sneaking around in these uh, in these shanty town type things. At one point, they're going through the sewers. It gave me a similar vibe of more like uh, Indiana Jones, where you're just like, okay, this is like the new adventure. We're exploring this like new area. That's mm-hmm. how I kept trying to like justify it to myself. Like, no, this is okay. This is fine. Like, let's get to know this area and like these people. And I did like the idea that as soon as he gets there, like he's basically owes service to the emp- emperor, right? Like mm-hmm. he kind of like falls into his debt right away. You liked that? I thought like, I liked, I was like, oh, this could be like an intriguing plot point. It hasn't, for the rest of the book, nothing happened in it. So I don't know how it <laughs> goes on further, but. <laughs> well, he, I, I, he did a little bit. I mean, he ended up fighting with Shosai and, and Sai Lin and, and all those other guys. So he was fighting for the empire. He, he was fight yeah but i mean he would have been fighting that for that side anyways to stop yeah. Calbrand. yeah that's that is one criticism right because in in the first trilogy one of the more compelling things was you know this is valen's home and we like the unified realm and this is you know he's fighting it's like a patriotism thing right yeah and now we're like why is he doing this he doesn't care about these guys and, and we don't care really about them either because as the readers, we have no background with these guys. Yeah, it, it seemed kind of like they had to rush it. Like, look how cool this is and now care about it. Mm-hmm. He, he only cares about it because of Sharon. Yeah, and, and I, think he cares, <laughs> I think he cares about it because of Sharon and also the, like he sees Kelbrand as a threat that needs to be ended. Yeah, I guess that's true. He does, he does see Kelbrand. If, if Kelbrand takes over the merchant kingdoms, then he's going to come to the unified kingdom next. Yeah. And just the fact that he's like meddling with the dark in such a yeah. profane way. Let's jump ahead in Valen's plot a little bit and get to the part where he rescues Sharon. I think one thing that's kind of funny throughout the beginning of the book is Valen's so convinced he's off there to rescue Sharon. He's like, oh, Sharon's in trouble. I'm going to go help her. And then they finally get there. They chase him down, which was a fun scene. And the first thing Sharon says to him is like, oh, great. You ruined everything. Go away, you loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was kind of a, fun. a good little twist there. And I think yeah. it was needed because we needed Sharon to be a strong female, female lead as well. And not just the damsel in distress. Yeah. 
Yeah, and she's not just, yeah, welcoming back in with open arms. Like, I've missed you. I never thought I'd see you again. In right. fact, she's she's got a, a romance with... Um, Shosai. Shosai, which is uh, interesting. And, and Valen's almost an intruder. And in Yeah. Yeah, Valen's a little jelly here. <laughs> it's like, wait, go away so you'll be safe. And then, but I'm supposed to just wait and not do anything, not knowing if you're going to come back. So that mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. it was good that they actually, um, Anthony Ryan actually like thought about how the characters would evolve over time apart and that it wouldn't just be picked back up right where it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, I have some questions about the Jade Princess and don't mm-hmm. go into, spo- I haven't read Black Song. So no, it's not going to be any spoilers for Black Song, but when we're first introduced to her, she seems kind of mysterious. You know, it seems like her and Sharon, or like, it seems like the Jade Princess has a plan. Sharon's kind of going along with it. And now Valen is just like, I'll go along too, because I need to be with Sharon and make sure she's okay. Uh-huh. But like the Jade Princess was always kind of like, you know, like who is she really serving? And then- She's super en- enigmatic. You have yeah. no idea what this character is really. And then when she- skipping ahead to where like she sings her song in front mm-hmm. of uh Kelbrant. I I couldn't decide like she was was she trying to stop him was she trying to cause a revolt against him or because it kind of seemed like it just solidified the people towards him like she was trying to I think what the song was supposed to do was expose his lies yeah to everyone but but she was stopped short well and yeah. to himself right it it was it was supposed to like turn Kelbrand on himself yeah mm. that's he, that's what i thought is is she she thought that it would i guess make him realize the error of his ways something along those lines and then he just kind of laughs at her mm-hmm. i mean she wasn't able to finish right who who knows what maybe the plan would have been successful if she was able to okay yeah yeah i guess so yeah but yeah she was she was a cool character i liked her i liked like you said she was so enigm- enigmatic you weren't really sure what was going on? It wasn't until he, Kelbrandt says, oh, you're here to sing me a song without her saying anything. And you could tell she was like shocked by it that he knew mm-hmm. that was when I was like, okay, she's probably good. She was probably trying to do some good. Cause. But yeah. the whole reason why she brought Sharon into it was so that Valen would come. Um, yeah. So she's really, really manipulative, manipulative. Yeah. It's hard to really characterize her as good or bad. I guess she's good. She's trying to stop evil but she's she doesn't really care about what happens along the way and was she i'm trying to get this straight was she in league with uh kelbrant's sister like they hatched the plan Lurland, they hatched the plan together right to get valen to come i don't think was so that, am i remembering that wrong i don't I, remember I th- that i think she was communicating with her but i don't think that Lurland was part of the plan because Lurlin wanted, like, saw that Valen coming could, could end her brother's reign, and that's what she wanted, right? So she wanted Valen to come, and then, but Kelbrin found out, and he's like, "Yeah, make him come," because he's he was really confident what was going to happen. Everyone wants Valen except for Sharon, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for I don't know why I'm remembering it this way. Maybe maybe it's wrong, but I thought her and the Jade Princess were both like, "Yes, this is what we need to do to get Valen to come to stop," but I could be wrong. I don't remember that I don't specifically. What did you, I think we kind of touched on this. What do you think of Kelbrand and the stone? There's the moment where uh, Kelbrand takes Valen and says, hey, touch the stone. Valen's like, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Uh, it sounds yeah. like you like the idea of the stone as the or, or the entity behind the stone as an antagonist, but it just wasn't didn't quite get there, at least in this one. Yeah, it didn't get there. And I was I was fine with it. Honestly, like if the middle part of the book were condensed and this were like a novella in between, like to leading to another like trilogy, I think that'd be awesome. Where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, we get this introduction that there's something even worse than the ally out there, and this guy is communicating with it, and he's basically I don't, I mean, it's hard to know if Kelbrandt is just being used as a force to get the, like the new dark thing out, or if they're mm -hmm. really more allies there or what. And I really like the scene where Valen, where he tells Valen, hey, get your blood song back. So that way you can be my like real adversary. Cause otherwise you're beneath me. And like, that was really good tension of, is he going to do it? You know, Seems like he it? could have done it, right? Like yeah. that was something where sometimes with these moments as a reader, you're like, I'm not, I know the guy's not going to do that. He's, he's, no, yeah. he's good, whatever. This one seemed like it, he could have. It was set up in a way where you really wanted him to get the blood song back. So oh, yeah. as a reader, you're like, is he lying? He seems kind of sincere. He's evil, but maybe you should just do it. Get the blood song back. It did seem like a trick to me when I was reading it. But then Sharon touched it and got her got healing powers from it. So I don't know. I, I it seemed like a trick at the time, but then I couldn't really decide because he really it seemed like Kelbrand really wanted Valen to be this awesome adversary to further his mm. his legend. So I don't think I don't know. Good writings because I still don't I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Okay, what about the Obvar duel? This was the one where I was like, heck yeah, Valen's cool again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was cool. He he didn't have a song and he was able to win. Yeah. I mean, with help from his horse. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> He's some trickery, but hey, sometimes sometimes the protagonist needs to use some trickery too to win the day. I will say the the beginning of the end of this book, and I'm saying that starts with um him meeting up with Kelbrand and the Jade Princess doing her song and then okay that fails to do anything. And like from there, that's kind of the beginning of the end. I think that mm -hmm. was like really well done where the setup where you, it just made Valen seem even more powerless while still in a cool way. Not just like um, you were like, Steven was very upset with Valen and Queen of Fire not having his blood song, just kind of being, you saw him as kind of useless. I did. Whereas this one, he's just as like powerless, but he doesn't seem as useless, you know? Yes. Like, that is exactly what I meant. Everything starts going wrong at this point. You know, the Jade Princess's plan doesn't work. Valen does defeat the guy in a duel, but he almost dies from it. Like he would have died if Sharon didn't have her healing mm -hmm. powers at that point. Mm -hmm. So like at the end, it's like, okay, Valen's cool, but also like it really sets it up for how are they going to defeat this? Yeah. That, that's what it's like. This is a real antagonist here. We've got a real antagonist going. So I thought that was really well done. Okay, then the book ends with a couple set pieces. The, the the first one was a little more minor where they go into these ghost shacks as they're trying to escape. Kind of had to fill this like Western, we're hiding in the ghost town, we're trying to get away. Yeah. And then and the Norta comes through with the rescue. I thought that one was kind of fun. And then after that, we go into the whole like Helm's Deep siege type thing. And then that's really kind of the final climax to the book. Was this good action for you guys? I, I was pretty into it. I was. It wasn't as exciting as the the moment with the Jade Princess. So I kind of felt like that was like the the peak of the action. And then everything mm -hmm. else kind of just kind of 
Smooth it's like out. descending. Yeah. Descending action. Really, even in the siege when uh, when one of the one of the uh, gifted guys you know re- reveals that he's the thorn in Lorelin's side and and brings down the wall and everything like that was pretty exciting. Yeah, but it was also like there wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't like reading where it's been built up for him to meet Kelbrand and see what the Jade princess is going to do. And then that falling apart, this was more just like, okay, this is happening. And then this is happening. The thorn part had some setup. You're right there, but I don't know. I wasn't like, I didn't dislike it, but yeah. it wasn't super engaging. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. It did. It did. The, the siege also made Kelbrand a worse enemy just with the way that he's brainwashed all sorts of people, even children yeah um, and just and just using them yeah and and kind of and throwing away their lives yeah. and it it was pretty creepy like w- just how how confident the jade empire was that they would be able to hold uh, i mean it, it's it's typical in fantasy where people are so overconfident you're like oh yeah mm-hmm. of course of course they're going to lose this battle but also but, how confident kelbrand was this this dude has he's 100 percent confident about everything he does he's got a a euron Greyjoy feel to him <laughs> yeah i could see that yeah <laughs> a little bit yeah. crazy yeah <laughs> oh totally crazy um but but it was it was at part of the battle you're like maybe they'll do this like kind of wanting to hope and then all of your hope is for nothing and the city once the wall is breached it it, it kind of they lose the city pretty quickly yeah yeah those walls are always important and then uh (laughs) eventually they they escape all these valen escapes shosai heroically stays behind to hold and valen escapes with his smugglers and they go off and they they he gets separated from the rest of our friends and he's with amlin at the end who is dying and he says, you know, drink my blood, take the blood song. And that's the end of the book, the dramatic cliffhanger there. That was so, a really uh, good end too. Yeah. That was, that's really well. I, I feel like the climax with the Jade Princess was awesome. And then it was kind of this, okay, what's going on? I feel like the book is like about to end. And then with the, the Omlin part, that was a really good way to end it. So in this case, he does, it seems like he's choosing. We don't know exactly what's happening in the Black Song. But it's heavily implied here that he is choosing to regain his blood song by drinking his blood, whereas previously he denied Kelbrand touching the stone. So I guess he just trusts his friend more than Euron Greyjoy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. so this is kind of the cliffhanger. And I think, it, yeah, it's, it's a good hook for another book. Good hook for another book. I'm intrigued to keep reading because I want to know about this new dark entity why is it worse than the one who waits? How is it? Mm-hmm. How is it using Kelbrand? What's its plan there, and how is this going to affect the overall plot? I don't really care about the Steel Horde taking over the rest of the Merchant King's land. <laughs> like that doesn't really mean anything to me. I was confused why the whole Dark Blade thing was a big deal. I feel like Valen claiming the title Dark Blade in the original trilogy wasn't as monumental as That's now like, why is Kelbrand so mad at him for taking this name <laughs> and it's like i mean they speak different languages right so who even knows like <laughs> you know like what yeah yeah i don't know so i I'm, I'm interested to kind of see where that goes i i thought it was kind of weird they they brought that up and it wasn't really 
super explain why that's important or why yeah. he needed needed to be why Kelbrant needed to be called the Dark Blade. He really liked the name. Yeah. <laughs> also, also excited to see uh, Valen get his blood song back. I am. I haven't read Black Song, but ninety nine percent confident he drinks that blood and and it goes well for him. All right, so we talked through most of the plot. Let's do some quick hitters on a few more characters that we didn't discuss a, discuss a whole lot. So just briefly, let's start with Norta. Norta was cool in the first trilogy, and then in this book, he is uh, he's he's got the Depressed. reset button. Uh, pushed on him and he comes in as a drunkard and terrible father and then he kind of like goes along with the book very along with the plot he's got a heroic moment where he comes into the ghost shack save i don't know how was he i feel like i feel like his potential was wasted i feel like he either shouldn't have come or they shouldn't have focused so much on i don't know it was just kind of wasted time getting to know where he was at when he wasn't relevant in the book for so long like someone else could have saved them at the end but at the same time, like these are living characters probably in Anthony Ryan's head. So he's not, he's yeah. probably like, I can't just leave these people. He out. reminds me of kind of like a depressed Matt Cawthon where he's along on the journey. doesn't really want to be there. He's just yeah. not behaving. And then he comes through when you need him to. Yeah. I think that's a good comparison for him. I, I always thought that Norta in the first trilogy was a really, uh, a really cool character and blood song. He's, He's like the noble bully, right? Mm-hmm. You know, where the protagonist has that person who's of noble blood or whatever. and just He's the Ambrose. Him. He's the Ambrose or the Draco that gets redeemed. Yeah. And yeah, and he, he does get redeemed and he ends up becoming one of Valen's best friends. And it's sort of the passage of time has not been good to him. I think his wife dies from cancer or something along those she lines. Dies from something. Yeah. And, and that sort of cements his descent into the drink. And so this is, I, I, he's being redeemed again, I guess. I, he, was, he was redeemed in the first trilogy where he was arrogant and didn't really care about anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then he was humbled and became, he, he was there for his brother's. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, like you said, they hit the reset button on him. Now he needs to be redeemed again in this yeah this book. And uh, I don't know, redeeming a character twice. It's a little bit, it's not super interesting to read. What about, what about a less? Do we like a less? She's, she's Riva's adopted daughter. And in my notes, I say she's the same character almost. Uh, yeah. I didn't really understand the point of Aless, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> That's how it felt for most of the extended cast. Like they were highlighted in the beginning in a cool way. And then they were very underutilized and it kind of felt like just yeah. why, like she, she had her moment where she was killing the, the gifted that um, Kel Brent was throwing at them at the last siege. Right. Something sure. like that. But other than that, she was just kind of this whiny brat. Like, why were you there for most yeah. of the Which is just moments. like how Riva was in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you say, the, the extended cast has got, they've got moments, but they don't have enough of emotional depth for us as a reader to really care about them all that much. I, I don't know. I, don't I, I, might really... have, I might have been upset if Norta died, though. Yeah, I would. well, I would have been except, uh, upset if he died because he wasn't really utilized well for a death. It would have yeah. been just like throwing him away. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think I don't think the underutilization of these 
extended cast characters hurt the book for me. I just don't think they were really a strength of it. So we talked about Sharon a little bit, but mostly in the context of Valence trying to save her. And we did say that she was a good character and that she wasn't a damsel in distress. She was actually her own character. Uh, Let's get a little bit more into that. Uh, Did we like Sharon's role here and and her character as she's gotten older since we haven't seen her in Bloodsong for years? I liked Valen and I liked Sharon and the rest of the people were almost a distraction to me. (laughs) I I liked her. I didn't understand her motivation of being with on the Jade Princess's side so much. Like, I didn't understand what, like... Why she trusted her so much. Yeah, why she trusted her and what did she see the importance of the mission being? Like, Valen was like, the mission is save Sharon and kill this guy. Sharon's mission was support the Jade Princess. I mean, maybe she just was in agreement she that was just the white mage healer that got brought along because mm. you need someone to to put the buffs down and, and do the heal i will say <laughs> that her decision to to obtain a gift of the dark was really cool like yeah. i i'm excited to see how that plays out that makes her character even more interesting yeah it's nice when you have characters that have to make these tough decisions and they don't always make like the the noble decision is like under no circumstances do i ever touch the stone and but she's making the the tough one that she needs to to save valen who she has some kind of feelings for but we're not sure well i mean her love interest got taken out so yeah but she didn't know that until <laughs> yeah until the end yeah yeah oh you're but saying I mean, now, she, now she's as, single now she's we single. as readers are yeah <laughs> Some people on the internet, I've seen this take, the people hate the Sharon Valen romance because they're like, these guys are barely even together at all in the first book. And they're yeah. not even that great together. And Sharon hates war. And so why does she love Valen, who she's constantly nagging because he's a great warrior? And they're just kind of annoyed by her for, for not just accepting uh, you know, Valen's need to actually have to fight. Like he's got to fight these guys because they are evil. I don't think she needs to do it, just accept them. I think she's a little more rational than let's say a Lyran character in this sense okay from stormlight archive but i i think it like that is something they need to address either compromise on it or they're just not a good fit you know yeah and i would be okay with that bittersweet ending of they're just not a good fit for that reason which i kind of felt like that was the ending in blood song so again with the snip snap snip snap (laughs) <laughs> what's going to happen with Sharon? I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, let's just talk briefly before we do our worst of the best. Let's talk about Luralyn and Kelbrand. We've kind of talked about them a little bit, but a little bit deeper of a look at these guys. So Luralyn had the, the framing story, the interludes, and this is how the first trilogy was, was done. And I kind of like this because then, you can get just a broader view of the world. It's kind of like the interludes that, that Sanderson does in Stormlight yeah. Archive. And then when you finally catch up with this, it's like, okay, I already know the story a little bit. And so you don't have to do the info dump because that's happening through someone else and you get more of a... Anyway, well, I guess what I'm trying to say, this is a long way of saying that I liked Loreland and I liked the Steel Horde some, although I, I didn't always like the trope of, of these horse people. And I also like Kelbrand because he was crazy and made for a good villain. Yeah, I really liked her her points of view. I liked Kelbrant as a character because he he is just this, he seems like an unstoppable force. And that's really interesting. And I like her more nuanced position of he's my brother, he's protected me, but also I've seen like how 
terrible this is going to be. Yeah, I really liked her and her inter- interludes. How it was, you, yeah, it was a little confusing at the beginning, trying to catch up with everything that was going on. And But I do agree that she and Kel Brand both had an interesting relationship in which he was looking out for her. But at the same time, he, he like, he wanted her when she left with Valen at the end, he was so upset by that. Yeah. Um, Kel Brand was, I don't know if they really described by they, I mean, Anthony Ryan really described it in such a way that mm-hmm. I, I could really understand why he was so upset. I don't know if there was like some secret, like some romance that he perceived her with her. Cause I don't think they were actually brother and sister. Were they? Are they not? I thought they were. I could be wrong, though. Because he calls Mm. other people like brother. Didn't he call like Obvar brother? And yeah, Valen calls everyone brother as well. She had another brother too. I'm pretty sure they are brother and sister, but I I don't remember that exact detail. Okay. I was always trying to figure out because she mentions like reconciling um, their relationship, realizing like trying to decide did he ever really care for me or was he always just Mm -hmm. using me and using his like and part of me is like how much how much of it was he did care for her and he's just been corrupted by this dark entity and so maybe maybe that point of him being so mad was like a little bit of the original Kelbrant bleeding through again where he does care for his sister and this is a betrayal or maybe he just can't fathom her deciding to not be like to not be on his side. yeah i mean I if we're if we're saying this is a little bit like uh, song of ice and fire which is what we said in the non-spoiler trilogy there could have been some kind of creepy love interest here i, I think it'd be on <laughs> Kelbrand's side because the dude is a little bit obsessed with his sister and doesn't really have any other love interests so maybe? she also she also is really powerful too so he could be seeing yeah. a powerful tool she's very useful leaving him which like that's within his character to be upset solely for that reason okay that is the plot let's do our worst of the best segment so michael kramer and kate redding are going to read this in and the idea is uh we're gonna we're gonna bring up one moment that we liked but then there's like yeah gosh that you know there was there was just something that kind of didn't quite sit right with us so if you're listening to the podcast they're gonna read that in now the worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. And who wants to start? I'll start. Yeah, you start, Ryan. For me, it wasn't a single moment. The worst of the best. I think the the best is getting back to Valen and his story. And uh, the worst is that you're used to Valen being so competent and steamrolling people and always making the right decision. And 
that is him to a lesser extent in this book, but without his blood song, I feel like his character is just, I guess not quite where I want it to be. And I think it's, it's a hundred percent an interesting plot point for him to lose his blood song, but it's, it's hard for me to read at the same time thinking, when's he going to get it back or, <laughs> when is I don't know I I guess I guess I'm just sort of expecting it to come back at some point. So Ryan, your priorities in reading this book are one Sharon, two Bloodsong, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd say my worst of the best is just the extended cast of characters. Best because I really like these characters. I mean, some of them are new, like Aless is new, but she is basically Riva. But Norta and like just like catching on Lynn and like catching up on these guys really cool. But the word they, they're the worst of the best because they just weren't really used. And again, I don't think it was to the detraction of the quality of the book, but just as a reader going in who has, you know, relationships with these characters and connected with them, I was just mm-hmm. hoping for more. Okay. Mine is, and I'm sorry, Ryan, but mine is the Sharon Valen romance. And it's the best because we are, for whatever reason, just suckers for these sappy romance plots. I mean, not that the romance plot was terrible, but uh, you know, these these fantasy romance plots are always fun to read. I didn't like I didn't like that her love interest, her previous love interest, Shosai, was just killed at the end, making her single. I thought that was just kind of like kind of a cop out. Yeah, like oh, there's yeah. this there's there's this problem, right? Like she she loves this other guy, and so what are we gonna do? We're just going to kill him. And then now she's single and we're going to kill him in, in a cool way where, you know, he, he's heroically holding the, 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 the back door, right. And letting Valen escape. It's interesting, but uh, I, I mean, the way the, the way the plot went with that was interesting, but just the fact that it now makes Sharon available to some extent uh, kind of ruins the, maybe not ruins, but it just, it just kind of cheapens that whole plot line a little bit for me. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. I did like the the tension because it didn't even seem like she was really committed to him either. You know, right. she he had so, like proposed marriage a few times or, or something like that, and she was always like, you know, no, no, no. But well, it wasn't. It, there was there's some question of was she doing that because that's what was best for him? Because I think if he married a foreigner, wouldn't he lose uh, status or something? Something yeah, bad was yeah. going to happen to him. Yeah, they made it they made it vague as to whether she wasn't really into him, thus giving the Valen Sharon shippers hope, or uh-huh. whether it was because she really did love him and it was the best thing for him. It, it made this nice tension. And like you said, it is kind of kind of a I don't know, disappointing that you don't get to see that tension continued. There needs to be resolution, but also the tension is why we read, right? All right. Thanks for listening to our full spoiler review of the Wolf's Call. When, uh, when we get to the Black Song, we will review that as well. If you like Phantology, you can find more at www.phantologybooks.com. You can support the show at patreon.com slash phantology underscore books. And if you want to talk with us, you can join our Discord server. The links are in the description, video description and podcast description below, wherever you're finding this content. And we'd love to uh, have you chat and let us know what you think about the book because while we know our opinions are correct there are other there are other ways of thinking as well <laughs> join us on our next journey with Balin also all right thanks guys thanks mm-hmm.